Welcome to season two of Unconformed Podcast, a 30-ish minute podcast created to celebrate and showcase diversity within black male thought. I'm Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. And this is our podcast. Rob. Absolutely. Season two. Season two, man. I am so thrilled to be back. And uh, man, I guess the first question that people may have on their minds and hearts is if they never heard us before is what, what are we about? Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, like the intro said, like we, we want to be r- roughly 30 minutes, but really just to talk about like almost any topic um, and just talk about it from from a, a biblical worldview. And what that means is just like we're both, both uh, Christians and uh, we we are theologically aligned with the Bible. So like we want that to be like the driving force behind our conversation. But that doesn't mean that we're going to talk about scripture like every single time in every in every episode. So, um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about anything from sports to current events to politics. It is a political year. Um, it is an election year. Um, and we will definitely talk about politics a lot this year um, just because we feel like it's relevant. And hopefully you stick around for it. And hopefully um, we just challenge some thoughts or give different different perspectives on some things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're called unconformed. That comes from Romans chapter 12, verse two. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what we hope is that we're able to transform our thoughts and renew our thoughts and, and, and challenge our thoughts uh, so that we can do what is the perfect will of God. So unconformed means be not conformed to this world. Right. Perfect. All right. Well, shoot. It, it, it been a minute, bro. So yeah, man. how you been? Man, you know what? I have been a little bit stressed out uh, just about the state of the school system. And uh, I have a bonus daughter. Um, she's six years old. Um, when I got my wife, I got her, too. And so we're trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do with her. She's trying to learn how to read and she's trying to learn how to do math. And she she really needs that attention right now. But we don't want her to go out and get coronavirus. So we're on that. <laughs> we're yeah. on that walking that tightrope right now you know yeah and that's i mean and yeah and that's why we're gonna have um the conversation with, with uh dr moss that we're gonna have today um i think that's that y'all cool. will enjoy it um i think that y'all will hear some refreshing things and i think that i think that everybody who listens to this like will be challenged in some capacity like and how they how they think and rethink about reopening schools and what that should look like yeah 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 absolutely yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's all that's been on my mind. How you been, bro? Um, trying to figure out how I'm gonna be a school counselor, um, in a virtual world. Um, mm. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see like what um the district has for me. Uh, I'm excited to be able to be with my kids in some capacity. Um, and I'm also just, I mean, two months into marriage, so just still fi- figuring that out. Um, some good days, some some uh some not great days, but overall every day is great. Um, so, so yeah, man, just figuring it out and the NBA is back. So, so I got my oh. wife, I got, I got my oh. kids, I got, yes, I got NBA. Like what else is there to need? Bro. I got God. Let me say that real quick. <laughs> yeah. And you got God, of course he's first, but, but man, I'm telling you the NBA being back has been such a breath of fresh air. You know, it's almost like I forgot what it felt like to sit down and watch a game, you know, all the way through and be like, I don't know what's going to happen because it's new. It's live. Right. Right. <laughs> so that's been dope. Yeah, that's been that's been dope the last couple 
Uh, last week. Yeah. Yeah, right. I definitely needed the NBA to come back, and it couldn't have come back at a better time. So I'm super excited about that. My Lakers just wrapped up the number one seed uh, for the Western Conference. <laughs> They're looking Lakers nice. Grizzlies are struggling, struggling, struggling. I hope we can uh, figure this out, the Grizzlies. Oh, the Grizzlies, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we, we, we struggling, struggling right now. So we got we got to figure this thing out, start, uh, or we'll just be back next year with yeah. a vengeance. But you know what, man? <laughs> one more thing. I know you said you're trying to figure out how to do counseling over Zoom or Skype or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, one good thing about it is if a kid that has behavior issues cusses you out, like, they're distant. So you, you won't uh, have the temptation to reach over and smack them in the back of the head. Mm, this is this is true. Uh, and, and let the record show that I've never smacked a kid in the back of the head out of frustration. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know where he got that statement from, but I just want to let y'all know. Um, <laughs> But real quick, man, um, I just want to do this one more time, man. Shout out to everybody who listened to us in the first season, who made the second season possible. Uh, we had well over a thousand views. Uh, we had so many different people. We hope y'all rock with us this season. Um, if you're listening right now, then our challenge to you is to get somebody else to listen to the podcast. Send it to somebody. Uh, subscribe. Leave a review. Uh, reviews do help. And yeah, uh, we, we really appreciate y'all. But shoot, let's go ahead and jump into it. Cause we gonna uh, Dr. Moss is gonna be on for a minute, um, and he's got a lot of interesting takes, and I really, really want y'all to hear it. And I think it was a really, really good conversation. So yeah, yeah. Without further ado, uh, we're gonna be talking about again schools reopening and what that should look like with Dr. Moss. All right, today on the podcast we have a guy who I've known for a long time. Um, I'm talking about a guy who has a PhD, a guy who worked for the Mississippi Department of Education, a guy who um, has done virtually everything. We were roommates in college, and there was people shooting a documentary on his life um, as we were roommates. Um, a guy who, um, a guy who, basically is a lifelong educator. I would consider him. Um, he's run schools. He's taught in schools. Uh, he's taught at universities, and we're really excited to have him on. I'm talking about Doctor. Felton Cortez Moss. So Cortez, how you doing? Man, I'm good, good. Excited to be on the show and, and talk with you about what's happening with schools and what's happening in our nation and, and how do we get kids back to school safely? Right. Um, and Cortez, man, it's, it's good to meet you, man. I, I love the fact that you wore a blazer to this uh, meeting, <laughs> even though we're on Zoom. <laughs> so it tells me a lot about you, man. I appreciate that. Listen, I keep a blazer hanging on this door just for calls. That's that's the environment that we're in right now. Now, my wife is also like doing Zoom meetings and stuff like that. And it's funny to me because like she's doing training right now for work. And like I'll walk in the office and I'll see her and she'll have like a really nice shirt on. But then I look a little bit lower and she got like the shorts that she was just sleeping in on. So like, are you wearing <laughs> slacks or are you wearing <laughs> like- I'm not wearing slacks. I'm not no wearing slacks. Slacks. <laughs> nope, nope, not at all, not at all. All right, all right yeah. at the top, party at the bottom. I'm down. All right, uh, Ryan, you want to introduce the topic? Yeah, man, so, um, you know, we're, we're in 2020, so that means we're talking about coronavirus. Um, and we're trying to figure out the school reopening plans that that's kind of been rolled out. And we wanted to have somebody on who has that ex- the experience with, you know, leading in, in education. And, and we're just trying to figure out, man, how do we even go about doing this? How should we be thinking about this? How should we be framing this? So, you know, I guess I'll just jump into the first question. Like, um, 
Man, so what would you say, because there's obviously the two sides of school in person versus virtual schools. What would you say are the pros and cons of having school open in person? Like, like, like that aspect of things. What do you say are the pros and cons of that? Yeah, and real quick, before you answer that, um, I know I did like a little brief synopsis of like who you are, what you've done in education. I feel like you can do a much better job of like saying a lot of things that you've done. Uh, so can you kind of tell mm. people like what you've done like in education before you even start talking about these things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, Felton Cortez Moss, I was a high school English teacher, probably my most favorite job. Um, I had no interest in going into teaching and went into teaching through Teach for America, through policy. My undergrad degrees are in public policy and English. Um, got stuck into teaching and became a principal. Um, loved every second of being a principal. I was a middle school principal and a high school assistant principal before that. And then most recently I worked for the state superintendent at the Department of Education, leading teacher and principal evaluations, um, as well as all of our state teacher recruitment and retention work. So um, I've just really enjoyed being in both the classroom, the administration and the policy level when you think about education. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but to Ryan's question, I think we are truly in an interesting place. Um, and as, a, as an educator, um, one side of me, um, I, I almost feel like Apostle Paul, if you will. I know this is a spiritual um, podcast. Uh, Apostle Paul mentions being betwixt between two ideas, if you will. And so in so many regards, I, I feel that it's critically important that we have children in school, but also we have a safety concern. Um, we know that the virus doesn't move as swiftly uh, or it's not as transmittable um, from student to student, but we do have adults and teachers and senior citizens and bus drivers. Um, unfortunately, our educator workforce is very old in this country. And we have to really think about that because millennials are not there. Uh, one of the pros to having students in school is that you know we know that a teacher is the single most important factor with regard to increasing student achievement. And so we also know that virtual learning does not have a, a large effect size. It, it does not tremendously affect students. And so um, one of our biggest cons uh, of all of this work is the best m- mode for teaching or is not available to kids. And what we found is not impactful is the mode that we're gonna have to go to, which is virtual. And so that is our biggest con. Um, I think our, our second con with all of this is and I've really struggled with what do we do with kindergarten through third grade? It's so difficult to teach a child how to read and you really can't teach a child how to read virtually. Um, and so you really need to be there and working and sitting in front of a child. So that is a con that we face. And I've actually pushed friends to say, look, we got to find a way to educate kindergartners through third grade. That means spreading them out in groups of 10 across every building in a school district. Um, then we have to do that. Um, I think the biggest pro of bringing kids back to school Um, is a little contrary to what I just said. I tend to believe that we can control the virus more if we have kids at school for eight hours a day. Um, So, but I don't, I don't think it's time for us to go back now. Um, But I wonder if we could control the virus with secondary students a lot more. We see transmission rates really high with 18 year olds and, and a little bit in 15, 16 year olds. So I'm just curious as to Um, One of the pros of this very work is that we might be able to control the virus a little bit more, but we got to get kids back in school, kindergartners through third grade. They can't learn how to read at home. We can make adjustments in fourth through 12th grade and and teach them virtually. That's that's one of our cons uh, of being able to do this, but I'll stop there. Yeah, there's so many good points, man. Um, So many good points. And like as somebody who's a middle school counselor right now, 
that's married to a second grade teacher, a second grade literacy teacher at that, who's in charge of like teaching people how to read. Like, I'm so on the, like, I'm on the train for virtual learning. I think that is, I think that is accessible of via the resources that my school, my school has. And also I think that like it can be done for middle school. But then when you look at elementary, like you talk about having like a, a six, seven year old on a, a computer for six hours a day. Um, like practically what does that look like? And Ryan has a six year old at home. Um, so it's like, it's so, it's so layered. So like, what do you even think that virtual school would look like for like K through two? Yeah, so I, I want to name something. I think you said, you talked a little bit about your school. We do have an equity issue with regard to this, to the distribution of access. Mm -hmm. So while I'm at, while I'm saying we can make fourth through 12th grade work, we have schools that don't have laptops. We have children who live in communities without broadband internet. And there's two notions of synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. Mm -hmm. In those places where kids have very little access or not good access, we have to think about asynchronous learning where they're not learning the information in real time. And in places where kids have strong internet, synchronous learning may be an option. So even thinking through synchronous and asynchronous learning options is something I'm not hearing people talk about. They're just saying virtual learning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's because we have equity issues with regard to access to laptops and internet and all of those things. But to your point around what a good kindergarten through third grade experience might look like, um, the, the quickest way that I think we can do this is, is, is reduce class size and reduce time, right? So right. what you might see is a kindergarten teacher virtually um, working with one-on-one, -on -one, right? Working with a student individually. So rather than trying to do whole time, you, you won't be able to do that. It'll be individual students. Mm -hmm. I think what we also have to pull back on is we have a very regimented day with regard to kindergartners and second graders. We know at this time we're doing phonemic awareness. We know at this time we're doing math. We know at this time we're doing writing. And so um, we're not gonna be able to ask children to, to live by that schedule, but we're also gonna have to work with parents and have them to make a schedule at home for their child to get some of the things that we normally wouldn't be able to do, that we normally would be able to do during a school day, but can't do through Zoom. Um, so I think we have lots of adjustments to make, but I think the biggest adjustment we will make is not asking 25 kid, kindergartners to get on Zoom at one time. Right. Um, that, that is the, the, the big push that we're going to make. But, you know, the teacher side of that is straining on a teacher to ask them to do 25 individual Zoom meetings every day. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I'm, I'm even thinking about the social aspect of things, like the social deprivation that's going to that's gonna kind of wane wear on the kid. You know, uh, just thinking about like, man, even if the kids do go face to face and have like, you know, social distancing at schools, you're not going to be able to connect with your friends like you want to. You know, you're not going to be able to have those those times where you can play tag and like, you know, those young kids, they, they, they love to touch and they love to. You're not going to be able to do that. And I feel like the temptation is going to be so great that kindergarten through third to, you know, up to like middle school, it's almost going to be impossible to ask them to social distance every day and so and like he said i do have a six-year-old and i think that you know she's a, she's uh gonna be here with us uh doing virtual learning but she's got to learn how to read you know she's got to learn and i'm not equipped to teach <laughs> okay i can tell her and i can show her everything but i feel very uh you know inadequate in that regard as far as like trying to this is an important time like for her to learn her reading her writing arithmetic um, so I guess my thing is now, what do you think, 
the mindset of teachers are um by and large when it comes to the risk associated with COVID? like how do the teachers feel as far as you know yeah and so you know part of our, our teachers associations have put out surveys to find out what are teachers saying what i'm hearing um and i don't have enough quantitative or qualitative data to really make this definitive mm -hmm. but what i'm hearing from many of our teachers is that they would prefer a hybrid model they'd love to go back in their classroom and teach from their classroom with students being at home um mm. and so i think but you 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 know one of the things you say we have an older population of teachers and i think i started the conversation saying this who will not return back to a building and even do hybrid learning Mm -hmm. um, I just heard a story the other day where a teacher had her 26 years and the school district wanted her to come back for professional development. And she said no and submitted her retirement papers. We already had a shortage of teachers in this country. And so, um, you know, when we exit this thing, I'm really concerned about will we have enough teachers to even go back to school. Um, we're losing teachers. We didn't have enough teachers going in originally, but by and large teachers would love many of the teachers um, that don't have health risk would love to be in their classrooms and offer this hybrid model where they're teaching in their room and children actually log in and see their teacher inside a classroom. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. And it's like, and like you said, um, it's so problematic when people just say like, just go back to school and if teachers don't want to be there, then just don't be there. When we, when we as educators like know the shortage of teachers, like there's so many programs in Memphis, like Memphis Teacher Residency, uh, Teach for America, um, so many programs in the city that like are, are, are navigated basically just to like have teachers in the classroom. And you talk about like potentially like deterring teachers from wanting to return. And a lot of those teachers are quality teachers, especially like the older teachers, or they wouldn't have been teaching for that long. When you talk about like lifelong educators leaving the field, like to me, that's kind of scary. Um, yeah especially like just for the future of kids. Cause like you need that balance. You don't, you don't need a school full of young people or a school full of older people. Like you need that balance just like so kids can see a balance in perspective. Absolutely. No, I, I totally would agree. All right, so Cortez, you kind of, you and I had different uh, educational experiences in the, in the state of Mississippi. Um, I did my uh, master's internship at Oxford Middle School, which is a one-to-one -one school, meaning that like, everybody in the Oxford school district has laptops and whatnot. Whereas you did, you worked in equipment, which is 45 minutes from Oxford, but couldn't be more diametrically opposed. And like what you could start to see is like some people talking about how virtual learning isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily like the best option for some schools and some schools are more uh, adequately prepared to deal with this. So can you kind of like juxtapose and kind of like describe to the people what I'm trying, trying to describe to them? Absolutely. I think you, you have, um, the, I tell people it's the tracks mentality that we had in this country for a long time that what, that some people who lived on one side of the tracks had it and some on the other side did not have it. And I think that, that is the best way to describe the distance that, that there's 45 minutes between Oxford and Quitman County, but the lives of students couldn't be any more, I, I, they're, they're extremely different. They're vastly different in that in Quitman County, when we even, we were able to get iPads on our campus for every student to have during the school day. And when we began to grapple with, we need to send these devices home um, and have a true one-to-one -one program, we ran into issues of internet access um, for those devices. Um, and so it, it's strikingly different. Um, and I think one of the challenges with this COVID-19 conversation and reopening schools 
that folks have failed to have is the inequities that exist with regard to access. And we talked about this a little early on, even in Mississippi, our state superintendent was working aggressively to have a statewide comprehensive approach to giving every child a device. She knew that we had an equity issue. And so her take was to give every kid a device and then give every kid access to internet. And so when people just say we need to go straight virtual, that has tremendous challenges associated with it. And here's something that we really don't think about when we talk about um, straight virtual. There are many children who will be afraid to get on a Zoom call because of the backgrounds in their home don't look like their, their, their peers. And so there is uh, trauma that could be associated with that experience, a child not wanting to open their homes uh, for other folks to see inside of it. Mm. And so we have a, a, a litany of challenges with regard to virtual learning and equity and access. Um, you know, think about it. If oftentimes if a device tears up and a parent went out and bought that device and that's all, all the money they had, they don't have money for it to be repaired. However, a well-off child, parent can easily go repair it or their parents have a laptop that they use for their job. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just really have to think deep, deeply about um, what we see. But even in Oxford, Darius, you bring up Oxford, there are students in Oxford who have some of these same challenges as well. And so the approach is not as one size fits all as folks want to make it to be. We have a litany of concerns that we have to work through. Um, you think about technology support. There are districts who are having to hire 10 and 15 technology people to be able to answer the phone when a computer crashes mm. or when a child can't do something. And so mm -hmm. if you don't have the budget to do that, and so long as, and, I, and I'll end here, but so long as we fund schools in this country based on zip codes and property taxes, we'll always have a notion of haves and have nots, right? Mm -hmm. The Oxfords of the world have a much larger tax base. And so because of a larger tax base and more e economics, their children are more likely to have the things that they need in comparison to communities such as Quitman mm -hmm. uh, and the like. But, you know, we, we have serious equity issues. And what I will say COVID-19 has done is exasperated those and it has brought this conversation to the light. I hear more people talking about equity and access now than I've ever. Um, and so that is one thing that we can draw from COVID-19 uh, that, that may be aiding us um, as we seek to reimagine public schools. Yeah, and I, I, th I think you make a great point because I think it's always been wrong or like problematic that public schools get funding based off property taxes in the neighborhood. Like that's always been problematic. And so we have to over, we have to do something different. And I think, um, uh, you know, not to make it political, but Betsy DeVos in, in the White House, oh my gosh, she couldn't be more clueless at this moment. <laughs> she she needs to hear what you just said because she's so clueless about uh these inequities that that exist but yeah man i feel like that's a, such a good point i'll say this fundamentally teachers know better what we should be doing for our schools and so when we talk about decision making it needs to be a teacher mm -hmm. be it a republican Absolutely. teacher a democratic teacher a libertarian or a hitler teacher it needs to be a teacher. <laughs> Uh, so, so whoever Whoa. it is, uh, we need a teacher making decisions about kids um, because teachers know firsthand and, and teachers and counselors and principals, folks who have been in a school need to be making decisions about schools. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think that's like the perfect way to end it. Um, one thing I will ask you before we wrap it up, um, if you could change one thing about the current school system as it is, what would that be? 
You know, Darius, that's not fair. Um, because, <laughs> um, one thing? Absolutely not fair. Um, ask me one thing. Actually, I disrupt the entire system. So I am going to avoid your question. But I would um, mm -hmm. disrupt the entire system. We have a very 1950s model of schooling. Um, I, I begged a question yesterday. I said, who says, first of all, that we have to start school in August? Who says that we have to go to school for 180 days? Like, mm -hmm. where did these arbitrary notions about schooling come into place that we are yeah. so married to that we can't innovate? Our love for sticking to what has been is really getting in the way of us reimagining schools for kids. You know, we have a very factory model of education, and it has not worked for all children in this country. And we have evidence every day that it has not worked. And so I'd like to just take a blank sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and start from there and say what is it that a child needs to know to be successful in the world and let's design a school system based on that and if we can start in that place with no rules no regulations just outcomes and what we want to be true for children um i think we'll get a better education system so i really think we should take this opportunity that COVID 19 has given us to really rethink school largely right Mm -hmm. It does not work for a family for school to end at three o'clock. Put a child on the bus um, at seven in the morning and school's out at three. And what are you going to do with my kids from three to five? And here's my last point. Who came up with the notion that we should be working nine to five anyway? And so we have lots of deep yeah, thinking yeah. to do in this country. Um, <laughs> and I think when we start with schools, it's going to impact everything else. And so I'd like to just reimagine school altogether, Darius. So all of it. Yeah, and I, th I think that's the perfect answer, honestly. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna do one thing, scratch do it. it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that's a solid answer, Ryan. Um, I think that you definitely brought a lot to this conversation. Um, I think that uh, I admire you a lot of what you've done thus far, and I look forward. I look forward to just seeing what you do in the future. And props to you for getting your PhD in education, man. I know you just got it what like a month, two months ago. Um, July 6th was the day of my hazing. <laughs> so, so, man, props to you. Um, I think this says a lot about you. you I think it says a lot about black men. Uh, would you get in that? The, the last guest we had on the podcast was a black man who was the first black man to get a PhD at the University of Memphis in counseling. Um, oh, wow. And now we have you, uh, who I imagine is one of the first uh, black men to get, to get a PhD from that program as well. Um, and so props to you, man. Um, I love hearing what you're doing. We love uh, having you on the podcast. And yeah, man, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Okay, brother. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you. thanks for being on here, man. Appreciate your perspective. Man, shout out to Cortez, man. Uh, shout out to Dr. Moss. Uh, shout out to him for giving us some time and just get, giving us things to think about. So, like, what are your immediate thoughts, like, um, after talking with him? Yeah, man, my immediate thoughts are, man, he articulated a lot of the concerns that I think are on the hearts of parents and teachers everywhere. And, uh, man, you know, man, teachers have been so undervalued for so long, you know, whether it be, like, the amount of pay that they get. Uh, whether it be just like the amount of like uh, leadership positions that they get, you know, in government, man, I think this is a time to really like put teachers, put them in their proper place, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Like, put teachers in their proper place because they're there every day with the kids. They know best what to do with these kids. They know the best. I mean, no one else knows. And so I think that's one takeaway I took was just like, man, we need to put teachers and exalt them at this time and, and give them the ability to kind of like, man, not only like lead, but also like make more money, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I feel like teachers are going to be the hardest working class of people in America uh, for the, the next year or two. And mm-hmm. so, man, that's one takeaway. And then secondly, I think uh, about single mothers, you know, mm-hmm. my heart goes out to single mothers um, who have, especially if you have multiple kids, especially if you don't have access to Internet at your house, you know, it, 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 it kind of just becomes a compounding problem mm-hmm. when you add in like poverty and you add in multiple kids and you add in single mother who needs a job, you know, who she, she may have to quit her job. So I think I think for me, my biggest thing is knowing that the government, you know, the government knows what's going on. How are they going to respond? You know, they have to be able to pay people to stay home in this time. There's just no way around it. You know, mm-hmm. like they, they've got to pay people to stay home because um, if one, you don't want the coronavirus to spread in general. So you don't want people just out and about. You want them kind of at home. And then secondly, if a person is a single mother and she has multiple kids, she's going to have to quit her job mm-hmm. unless she has just, you know, some resources in the com- community she can send her kids to like a community center. But it's just a lot to think about, man. And I feel very overwhelmed by this. But, you know, I think the best thing for us to remember is that God got us, you know, right. God right. got us. <laughs> what yeah. about you, man? Because I'm I could just go on. Man, um. Yeah, supposed to catch the smoke, honestly, right now. Uh, I'm just gonna say what I got to say. Um Okay. Let it be like, heard. <laughs> I feel like um on one side it's one group saying like let everybody go to school virtually and there's no risk associated with that. And on the other side it's like another group saying the kids need to go to school. It's very few risks associated with that. And both of those tastes are just practically not true. Um mm. we talk about only going to school virtually, one thing that you do have to admit is that, like, child abuse reporting is down. Um, and it's down because, like, people aren't in school. So usually when child abuse takes place, the man, the people who are legally mandated to report it, report it. Those people being school counselors like myself, teachers like my, uh, teachers like my coworkers and, and people like that. So, like, it's definitely, like, toxic situations that are at home that I hear about every day as a school counselor, uh, whether it be an alcoholic or a, a, a somebody who's addicted to some kind of drug or anything like that or um sexual physical emotional abuse like all these things that take place there's no safe haven for these kids to go and express these thoughts and feelings um so, so just about, just to clarify you're saying that they're down because these kids aren't leaving those yeah, abusive kids, environments yeah, yeah because th- they're not talking to mandated reporters right yeah 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 so like if you i mean more often times than not somebody in the home is not gonna call the uh they're not going to call DCS to report child abuse because that yeah. will mean potentially like losing your father at home or losing um, another source of income at home. If we're being real. So like that's not going to happen. Um, and that's problematic. Um, yeah. So we can't just sit there and say that. And like you kind of talked about earlier in the podcast, like kids do gain. From, a, I guess, from a from a relational standpoint. So like right. from being around each other, like you don't get that in virtual school. So like those are cons. Um, and then on the other side, it's like, so what happens if a teacher gets it? Like if a teacher gets it, like do the whole class got a quarantine for two weeks? 
do the whole do the whole grade level got to quarantine for weeks? Do like all the teachers in that grade level have to quarantine for weeks? And if that's the case, then like we're basically doing virtual school anyway. So right. so like right. and, people, and people don't necessarily consider those things. And then like you have a group of people, oh, this group this group of people that uh talk about how how some people can't afford to do this. Like some people, these Shelby County black students can't afford to do this. Um, but that's like the only time that they really want to talk about these students uh, when it's beneficial to them and their narrative. Mm. Uh, you don't vote for the benefits of these students. You don't uh, campaign for these students. You don't give any funding to these students. Uh, right now, what you're doing is just ex- using them for exploitation. And these right. are the same people that talk about what about black on black crime. These are the same people who talk right. about black abortion. These are the same people. If you like really, really in Christian circles, these are the same people that use critical race theory to uh, delegitimize any black theologian. So these mm-hmm. are some of the same people in some of the same categories. And you're like, you don't get that right. Uh, you don't get that right to talk about this because mm. your other actions don't show that you support them. Yeah, so, sit this one out. Yeah, sit, <laughs> sit just, this just, one out. Just, just sit, sit this one out. We recognize the, we recognize the problem. You over there in DeSoto County, DeSoto County, who's lived there your whole life, you don't get to talk about Memphis problems and you don't get to pretend that you care. But like, that's yeah, not your yeah. place right now because nothing that you've done thus far has shown that you actually care about them. Right. So, That's so real, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, y'all, y'all gotta take a lap. Um, y'all gotta yeah. take a lap and just walk, walk right, right back around your suburbs or wherever you live and just sit this one out. Yeah. Sit this. This, one this, out. this is not your. This is not your battle. Um. I know. And I, I just want want these people to know that. Um. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. It needed to be said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it really did need to be said. I'm not. I'm it not definitely gonna lie. did. And and but but like. It's, and like some of this stuff is right. Like some some of the stuff they say are right, but like you just don't get the right to say that because you don't support these kids in any way, shape, or form. You right. you you don't support like you talk about black abortion and you don't support like anything to help stim- stimulate like the chances of them wanting to give give a kid life. So you really don't get to talk about this honestly. Um, and I think we gotta get to a point in society where, where everything is not politicized. Like this has quickly become like a, a liberal versus conservative thing. And this should just be a kid thing. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about like opening schools and like providing insurance so that like schools can't be sued if they get sick, then let's, let's be real. And let's also not the 9-11 and, I, and I'll finish with this. Um, the firefighters who went into the building at 9-11 like just lost coverage for the rest of their life. They had coverage for the, for the rest of their life. They just lost that cover, coverage. Some people say that that these are adults. They made decisions. Um, that was part of their job. They had to do it. I completely disagree with that. But to some capacity, they are right that these are adults and that I don't I don't agree that they should have lost coverage, but they lost coverage. And yeah. if, we're, if you're going to talk about bringing kids into a situation where they can't control um because because after what six months we think we know the long term effects of it, then I hope that we can talk about providing um, long term health coverage for any complications for life that has to do it, has anything to do with coronavirus. Because if you're not willing to talk yeah. about that, then you're not really being real about supporting the kids. Yeah, they're actually signing yeah. liability waivers. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. <But> you don't, <laughs> the opposite. You don't, yeah, yeah. But like you you talk about you care about these kids. Come on yeah. now, like just be real. It's silly. Be, be real. So if you, if you care about them, then you should be in Washington right now or making making change.org groups talking about how you want these kids to make sure they get coverage for life if anything goes wrong. Until then, you're a hypocrite. Absolutely. We praying for you. Thanks. Praying. And, but but yeah, I think that um I don't know. 
shout out to Cortez for uh, adding to the conversation. But yeah, we yeah, definitely had to talk about this from our perspective, too. That wraps up our first episode of season two. We hope y'all liked it. Um, Again, like, subscribe, review, refer a friend, all those things, man. Absolutely. And shout out to Cortez uh, or Dr. Cortez. Uh, what do you call him? Moss. Moss. There you go. Dr. Moss. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah man thanks for i love when we have people on the show that are smart and and articulate and and just bosses man dude is a boss in every sense of the in every sense of the word he showed up to the podcast with a blazer on oh blazer kind of uh so uh we appreciate you uh we appreciate y'all um let us know what you think uh let us know if you have thoughts that may be contrary to the way we feel and we will go from there but i'm Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. And we out.